and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. This is the time of year um, where weather is changing. And, of course, it changes from one day to another. Right now, one day feels a bit like summer, and the next day feels like certainly in the fall. Um, And I was thinking about how... I need to get the air conditioners out of the window, although right now it feels like it might be good to have them there. But I, although I wanted to get them out, I needed to wait until I could get a couple of guys, hint, hint, um, to help me get them out. <clears throat> that one back there is especially heavy. That one, even, even when I was a bit younger, I still didn't want to try carrying that one by myself. Um, the other one, you know, push came to shove, I, I could still do it. But I've learned that there's a lot of things that it's just not wise to try to do on my own, that it's good to wait until I can get some help. Tonight we're going to be looking at waiting on the Lord because that's where our greatest help comes from. And in life, we have to learn because it takes learning to do that, to not just always try to handle things ourselves, but rather to wait on the Lord. You can go to Psalm 27. There's lots of things where it's good to have help, not just when you're trying to carry something. Um, Thinking about this, I was reminded of Many years ago, I was, for a short period of time, living in Gunnison, Colorado. And there was a river that went through the property, this Christian camp that I was living at. And on Saturdays, we often, anybody that wanted to, and a group of us, would often go rafting down the Gunnison River. Now, what we should have done was waited until we had somebody with us that knew what they were doing. (laughs) And the way I I learned that was every time I did it, it wasn't just rafting down the Gunnison River, it was swimming down the Gunnison River because somehow, sooner or later, that raft flipped. But finally, we got somebody that actually knew what they were doing and was a good guide, and then it was just fun without the bath. Um, and that was a cold river. It was mountain fed and, you know, mountain snows fed it and it was cold even in the middle of summer. But there's so many things in life that we learn that we need help with. We need direction. We recognize in life that we need God's direction and we need His strength. And we need to learn to not do everything on our own. In Psalm 27, it talks about waiting on the Lord, but we're going to look at this whole psalm 
to kind of get the, not only the context, but to see why we need to wait on the Lord so much. Now, to give you some context of the psalm, this happens, this is David writing the psalm, and this occurs during that period of time where he is hiding in the mountains and fleeing because Saul the king is trying to kill him. And in verse 1 it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? You know, that's quite a statement, a couple of statements to be able to make when somebody's actually trying to kill you. I've never had somebody trying to kill me. I've had a couple of people threaten it, and one of them I probably should have taken a little more seriously than I did because the fellow did that for a living. But nonetheless, nobody's actually tried to kill me. But that wasn't it for David. David's in a period where there is not just one person trying to kill him, but a whole army, a whole army that is out there. And yet David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, a host referring to a whole army, should camp against him. And that wasn't just being figurative. That was literally true. It was a whole army that was chasing him, a whole army that was encamped against him. There was a time where that whole army was there and David was hiding in the cave and he was close enough not only to hear them, but then when Saul came into that cave to let him know he was there in some way. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. No matter what happened to him, no matter what the odds were, David was confident. You know, sometimes we can get shook over even small things. Sometimes all it takes to kind of get rattled is, you know, some bad news. The car breaks down, something like that. And minor setbacks sometimes can be very upsetting. But they never should be when we have the same heart and perspective that David did. Because no matter what happened, he was confident. He was confident in God. Verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's just one of my favorite verses. I, you know, that's my prayer. One thing have I desired, one thing that I'll seek after, and that's that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I would stand for God and that I would be in fellowship with Him. That I would walk with God all the days of my life. That was David's, what he sought after with his whole heart. The one thing he desired. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. 
In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. You know, if somebody's after you, and think, think, just think about any you know, suspense kind of scary movie you've ever seen, and you'll be able to answer this, right? If somebody's after you, if you're strong enough, you'd go out there and fight them, right? Somebody who's trying to come out and kill you, if you're strong enough, you'd go out there and fight them. And if you weren't, and you could, you would flee. You would run. If that's not an option, because you're going to get caught, then what would you do next? Hide. hide. You'd hide, right? You'd be like hiding in the closet. You'd be hiding someplace, you know, the best hiding place you could get. Well, God says that in the time of trouble, he'll hide us. You know, he'll say, come here, I'll hide you, come here. He'll hide us in his pavilion. He'll hide us in his tabernacle, his house. You know, and with David, all three of what I just said were all different scenarios that he experienced. There are times with his enemies where he fought against them and God was on his side. There is times with Saul chasing after him that he fled from before him. And there were times where God just hid him, just hid him in that cave. Whatever it takes, and it may not always be the same thing, God will take care of us. But you know what's the thing that David didn't do in all of those situations? He didn't try to just handle it by his own strength. He didn't try to just do it by himself. In every situation, he walked with God. In every situation, he waited on the Lord. Verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. He sang praises unto the Lord because he recognized that God took care of him. He didn't forget it, you know? It wasn't like, you know, there's some, some joke. If I can remember, if I was sure I could remember it, I'd tell it. But there's the fellow who prays, you know, and God, if you'll, if, the gist of it is that the fellow prays, and God, if you'll do this, you know, then I'll dedicate my life to you. And, and then whatever the need is gets met. And he goes, oh, never mind, never mind. That's how some people are. You know, some people, as soon as the need gets met, they forget that it's God who met it. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. When God said, Seek my face, David responded by saying, I'll do it. I will do it. I will seek your face. Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. That's his prayer. And it sounds like he's asking it, but he's confident that God will do it. He has seen God do that. He has seen God come through, and he knows that's what will happen. In fact, look at the next verse. 
When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Even when his own parents would forsake him, he knew that God never would. God promises he will never, never, never leave us and never, never, never forsake us. God will never just leave us out to, you know, hang. He's always there for us. He's always taking care of us. Verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. <clears throat> That's... That's a situation that I, I, I have experienced where people were saying things that weren't true. And that's just so terribly upsetting. It's so terribly upsetting to be in that situation. And nonetheless, even when that's the case, God is a God who delivers us. Verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. You know, fainted, and that doesn't mean like, you know, got to have the smelling salts and, you know, he's got the vapors like Scarlett O'Hara, you know. Fainted means given up. I just would have quit. I just would have given up if it wasn't that I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what we have to do. When we are in situations... When, we're in, when things do go wrong, when life does get tough, when there's something that we have a need for, we have to not faint. We have to believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we have to be patient and wait on Him. That's what the next verse says. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait. I say on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. We have to be patient. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do, to just be patient, to just trust that God is going to meet the need, that God hears us, that the answer is coming. The temptation is to just faint. The temptation is to give up. The temptation is to think that the answer is not coming. And the temptation can be to just try to do it ourselves, to not wait on the Lord and try to work it out on our own. But God is never late. God is never late. Turn to Psalm 37. We can trust that he will come through for us. And many times, that deliverance comes from God giving us the guidance, the directions that we need. For those few people that don't know me well enough yet, um, I always make, make it a point to tell everybody right up front so that they're not shocked if we're ever in a situation, but I, without a doubt, have the worst sense of direction of anybody you've ever met in your life. Now, I know that I say this at times to people, and they think, eh, and then they go in a car with me, and we go someplace, and, and I prove to them that I'm not telling a lie here. 
I absolutely have a, the, the worst sense of direction. There are people that can go someplace once and 10 years later know how to get there again. I can go to a place often for 10 years and still not know how to get there. My sister has lived in the house that she lives in for 20 years now. And every time I pull out of her driveway, I've got to ask whoever I'm with, which way do I go? Because invariably, if I want to head towards Cleveland, I'm heading out in the country. And if I want to head out in the country, next thing you know, there I am heading for Cleveland. And what's even worse is I'm usually about halfway to downtown before I recognize it. <laughs> now, I, it doesn't bother me. And part of the reason why it, does, it may bother people that are with me, and it bothers me when I get lost in certain situations, I've had those come up and where it's really frustrating, but, but the thing I kind of like about it is it's really driven home to me the point of how much I need help figuring out where I'm going. And in life, that I need God's help to figure out where I'm going. Um, sometimes, you know, just getting out of the driveway, but more often in terms of the broader understanding of that that I need God's guidance, I need his direction in my life. That trying to figure out life on my own is just not good enough. In Psalm 37, another place where it talks about waiting on the Lord, we won't read this whole psalm, but to kind of get you the, the setup of it, we'll begin in verse 1. In verse 1 it says, Fret not thyself because of evil doers." Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither has the green herb. Mm. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. It says <clears throat> to do good, to trust in the Lord, and to delight in the Lord. And then verse 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Waiting on the Lord is doing all of those things. It's delighting in him. It's trusting in him. It's committing our ways unto him. It's walking with him. It's not just walking by ourselves through life, but walking with the Lord. We'll skip down. Verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Wait on the Lord and he'll exalt you. Wait on the Lord and he'll come through. When we do trust in him, when we delight, when we commit our way unto the Lord, when we wait on him, then he will always be there for us. You know, we just don't want to head out on our own. If you were going to go on a big journey, you'd want to know, you'd want to be with somebody that knew how to, how to get you there. Last summer, I went to Ireland. Um, I'm very glad that I was with my daughter for, for more than one reason. I was glad to be with her, period. But she had been there the year before, and she knew you know, how to navigate all this stuff. She knew how to get around. If I got there, uh, if I tried to get there on my own, you know, 
good and bad. You know, bad thing is I wouldn't be sitting here now because I'd still probably be lost somewhere in Ireland, and, and that may be a good thing. But you want someone that can help you. You want somebody that can help you in life, to give you direction, to give you the, the wherewithal for whatever you need to do, to give you the strength. We need to not be limited to our own ability. Turn to Psalm 106. Psalm 106 talks about some folks that didn't wait on the Lord. Psalm 106, we'll pick it up in verse 7. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. Here it's talking about Israel and how they didn't trust God. You know, they had already seen God do great things for them by the time they got to the Red Sea. He had done so much to get them out of Egypt in the first place, but when they got there to the Red Sea, then they, they forgot everything that God had done. And yet, God saw them through it. And God saw them through situations again and again and again when they were out in the wilderness. And every time they came across something that was scary, they turned to Moses and said, what? There weren't enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die? And each and every time, God continued to be patient and take care of them. But that lack of trusting him, that lack of waiting on him, that caused them eventually to have less than what they could have. Down in verse 12, it says, in verse 12, first it says, Then believe they his words, they sang his praise. Great. They're doing wonderful. They're believing his word. They're singing his praise. But then the very next verse, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. You know, there they are one day, believing God. The next day, they're not waiting on him. They're not waiting on him. They're trying to figure it out on their own. They're trying to figure out what they can do on their own, and they're turning to other gods rather than true, the true God. We have to always turn to the true God. We have to patiently wait on him. And when we come to God with the request, when we come to him in prayer, when we come to him with some need and we endeavor to cast our cares on him, we have to wait for him to take care of it. There's a wonderful little simple poem I like. And I'll read to you. It's called Broken Dreams. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I broke my broken dreams I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then, instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched them back and cried, How could you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You never did let go. Too often, 
That's the problem. We have to let go and let God. Waiting on the Lord is waiting for Him to handle it. And there's a tremendous wisdom to learn on what is our part and what is God's part. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that we do nothing always. Sometimes we have to take action. Sometimes we have to move. Waiting on the Lord didn't mean that Israel didn't have to get up and move. You know, God didn't just like come down and, you know, scoop them up and carry them in a cloud over to the promised land and drop them there. They had to get off their butts and walk, right? Mm -hmm. They had to actually take some action. There was that which they had to do. But they had to also let God do his part. That's a great wisdom. Figuring out what's our job and what's God's job. And we need to be faithful to do that which is our part. You know, if you're looking, if, if let's, somebody prayed for those people that may need jobs. If you need a job, then take action. But if you do it on your own, you, you may or may not get the results. If you do it with God, if you're waiting on Him, if you're looking to Him and trusting Him and following His lead, His direction, knowing that He's your sufficiency, then the need gets met. We have to let go in our hearts. We have to let go in our minds. And that letting go is that committing it to Him, trusting that He'll take care of it, not getting impatient and trying to bring it back, not trying to figure out because, boy, I thought it should be done in this way at this time, and it hasn't happened, so let me just figure out what to do. Well, that what to do may be just trusting more, believing more. Look at Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25, this is a great verse about waiting. In the context of this one, is talking about what's going to happen in the future. In verse 1 of Isaiah 25, it says, O Lord, Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee, I will praise Thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Look at verse 4. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. God did all these things for them. They could trust him, and he would take care of them. When the storms of life come, we can trust him. Look at verse 8. Here, now it talks about the future. And just as we see God coming through for us now every day, we can trust that the future is as bright as the promises of God. In verse 8 it says, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. 
we have done what? Waited. Waited for him. And he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. There's that day coming when God will wipe all the tears off of all the faces. There is that day coming when death will be swallowed up in victory. That day coming when there won't be a need to hide. There won't be a need to run. There won't be a need to fight. When all the struggles will be over. When all the hardship will be done. When all the tribulations, the pressures, all the bad things in life are not even a memory. And we will just be with the Lord forever. There's that day coming when his son is coming back to gather us together. It talks about that in 1 Thessalonians. We won't go in, cha in chapter 4 and verse 13 and following. It talks about Jesus Christ coming back for us. But here in chapter 1 and verse 9, it talks about how the Thessalonians heard this and believed it. Verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. We are waiting for the Lord. In all the waiting that we're doing, Part of that is waiting for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who will gather us together, and then we will have all that joy when death is swallowed up in victory. God bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.